verses 1 to 30. Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is 
from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in the truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just when his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. I found a website the other day. It was called Random Acts of Kindness. And it said, small gestures can really brighten a person's day. Then it gave a list of things we can do to spread kindness. There's one here for Adrian, actually. <laughs> give, so <laughs> give someone an unexpected compliment. I like your socks. Slow down in your car to let someone merge into the traffic in front of you. How about that one? <laughs> Stop to assist someone who looks lost. Hand out disposable water bottles to people working outside on a hot day. And the list just went on and on. And in today's passage, it made me think of how one act of kindness transformed not just one person's life, but a town. So we're looking into the account from John's Gospel, chapter 4, 1 to 30, and to set the scene, Jesus has left Judea to go to Galilee, but he chose to go through Samaria to get there, which would have made it approximately a three-day journey. But very pious Jews would avoid Samaria and take a different route because they despised the Samaritans and considered them half-breeds. But he arrived at a town called Sychar, near a field, well, I think it's Sychar, Sychar, near a field that Jacob had given his son Joseph, and Jacob had dug a well there. As Jesus was tired from his journey, he sat down by the well to rest. So that's a bit of the background, but now we get to the wonderful bit, a divine appointment. A Samaritan woman comes to the well at noon, which was an unusual thing to do because most women would go and collect the water at a cooler time um, at sunset. <clears throat> but I wonder what this woman thought as she trudged towards the well and sees a man sitting there. There's somebody by the well. 
what do I do now? I need this water, so I'm just going to have to keep going. Oh, no. He's a Jew and a rabbi. This doesn't look good. He's a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. He's a man. I'm a woman. This really doesn't look good. But hang on a minute. He's speaking to me. He's asking me for water. Whatever she may have thought, this man is no ordinary man. This man is Jesus. And he knew about her history. He could see the pain in her heart. He knew she'd suffered abuse and lust. But he met that with true, pure love. His love was an unending, perfect love. One that released her to be the person she'd been created to be. No longer under a cloud of guilt and shame. Maybe some of us can identify with her. And the Holy Spirit can change a life of guilt, even as we sit here this morning. We can encounter the Holy Spirit on our own as we come to Jesus and ask for his Spirit to set us free, or we can ask someone to pray with us. That's the lovely thing about the family of God. You know, Christianity isn't just about religion, is it? It's about a relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And Jesus related to this woman by asking a simple question. <clears throat> Can you give me some water? What non-threatening, what a non-threatening thing to ask. But it opened a dialogue with her. But as yet, he's just a man with a human need of quenching thirst on a hot day. This woman seems, in my opinion, to have been thrown by the whole situation and asks him how he, a Jew, asks her, a woman, for a drink. As I said earlier, the Jews had nothing to do with Samaritans because it was considered that they'd mixed the Jewish and Gentile bloodline and they had different attitudes about where to, to worship. The Samaritans wanted to worship on a mountain rather than at Jerusalem. And this was the culture that she lived in and knew. <clears throat> but the conversation continues with Jesus moving on to speak about living water. He introduces a spiritual reality which she can't quite seem to process. So she answers with a physical and religious one. Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? who gave us the well and drank from it himself and his sons and cattle. There's a real sense of the woman trying to grasp what Jesus is saying, but just not quite getting it. So she asks for water, but not spiritual water. She wants this physical water and asks him where she could get it so that she wouldn't have to go to the well anymore. Isn't Jesus amazing the way he deals with her and with us? He's so patient and compassionate. He doesn't condemn or accuse anyone because we wouldn't be able to take it. 
He lovingly and gently confronts us over sin. And this is what he does next. He gives a leading request for her to go and get her husband. He's not asking her to make her feel bad. He's wanting her to face up to what has happened and how she's living. God often asks us a question to get us to face our shortcomings, not harshly dealing with us, but gently exposing our heart attitudes. In Jeremiah chapter 17, we read, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately corrupt. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the mind and try the heart to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. And I wonder, how is my heart? How is your heart? God sees everything we hide away. The prejudice, the pride, the hurt, the fear. No wonder King David says in the psalm, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal what's hidden in our hearts. Jesus is not someone aloof or distant. He's a savior who draws close to us, who wants to help just as he did with this woman. He went out of his way to meet this woman. She was highly valued and treasured, just as we are in his eyes. Do we know that in our Noah? Anyway, the dialogue between Jesus and the woman now seems to touch a nerve, which isn't really surprising. And she throws a small smoke screen by talking about worship. She seems to sense that conversation is leading somewhere, but can't quite move forward. But she's also questioning him regarding worship and the difference between where to worship. We don't know how serious she was in needing to have the question answered, but Jesus takes the opportunity to tell her that it's not where we worship, but how we worship. Sorry. He tells that it's not where we worship, but how we worship that matters. Is our worship spiritual and real? And then Jesus reveals to her that he is the Messiah she's been waiting for. I think it's a lovely story, and, and we, it, to many of us, it's so familiar. Um, but having prepared for this, it opened up all sorts of different things for me. Um, but there's one bit at the end of this reading that made me chuckle, because the disciples return, and you can sort of picture the scene of um, these two people sitting at the well, the man and the woman, the disciples sort of, he's talking to a woman. She's a loose woman. Jesus, do you know what you're doing? It's not the dumb thing, you know. However, this meeting with Jesus was life-transforming for this woman. He gave time to answer her spiritual questions and treated her with respect and dignity. In turn, she was so moved by this that she left the well and returned to her town and said, come see a man who told me all I ever did. Is not this the Christ? 
And this encounter with Jesus didn't just change one woman's life, it changed a town. All the result of one random act of kindness, a glass of water. So a lesson for me is, how do I approach those outside of the church? How do I get alongside them? There's a good lesson here of just a natural conversation, engaging with someone and accepting them without prejudice from where they are. I wonder how many times I've walked past somebody sitting on the street and avoided them. But what would Jesus have done, I wonder? And are we... Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to flow out of us to others? Is the fountain of water, as in the Holy Spirit, bubbling up out of us? When Um, I was thinking about water and the, the picture of the Holy Spirit and it made me think how some people go um, some people are afraid of the Holy Spirit but he's a person he's part of the Trinity And some people want a quick fix of the Holy Spirit. So it's a bit like this. All bubbles and nothing more. But what what God wants is a continual flow. I hope I've got enough water here. I haven't. Where he fills us up. Not so that we can just sit with that in our hearts, but so that we can, oh, please go over the top. So that we overflow and touch other people's lives. Last year, Andrea had a picture that she felt the Lord had given her regarding gifts under a table, and they were unopened. Do you know what gift God has given you to be used in our church family here? Judy's looking for people to offer to help with the young people's slot. Are we just going to sit here and listen and think, not me? We need to ask the Lord what it is he's wanting us to, to do. So let's ask him to fill us afresh and lead us to where he wants us to take his living water. And that might be taking living water to young people and to children in the church. Amen.